0: Today I talk with Kevin Hatsel. he's the former coach at the University of Toledo where he had a lot of success there in the Mid-American Conference. That's where I got to know Kevin a little bit when I was at Kent and he was at Toledo. He is now an actor and as well as being involved in a variety of other businesses and goes by the stage name Kevin Barbaro. We get into all kinds of conversations he's always got very interesting perspectives on a variety of things we talk about ncaa track and field we talk about michael jordan documentary we get into all kinds of other things so hopefully you enjoy this conversation with kevin hassel okay so what have you been doing for the past couple months
1: well i've been i've actually been holed up in in myrtle beach south carolina because uh you know i was actually i was out in texas on business when everything started to go belly up with the virus because we actually so my my uh, concert production company we were doing a concert at a place called the oil palace in tyler texas with uh jamie johnson it was going to be uh jamie johnson wade bowen and sundance head and uh so a a good night of redneck country man (laughs) and
0: uh i saw saw sundance head in wichita one night he's good man people He was awesome, but there were no one showed up. Yeah. You know, the thing
1: is with those guys that win those contests is, um, I mean, obviously not the best looking dude, right? So if you, if you, if you've got more going for you than just a good voice, then, you know, there's things, you know, things can happen for you. But if you're just a big old grizzly guy with a beard, you know, and a nice voice, um, I don't know, there's like a thousand of those. So, you know, it's, it's, stuff to make it through but anyway
0: so so what exactly are you doing like like rewind this second so you said you're working this entire text like explain in 30 seconds what exactly you do i know that's probably hard to do in 30 seconds but you're doing a lot of different things
1: yeah reader's digest version of of it is that um about six years ago i started my own company which is both a talent agency uh for music As well as a live event production company So it's kind of evolved into a uh, live concert production company Promotional uh, company and a venue management So we handle all of the marketing, promotions, PR, contract negotiations, etc For this concert venue out in Texas And we, we put on concerts all over the country So that's one of the businesses that I own now You know, in like the real world And uh, so we were out there because we were going to have that concert. And um, so, but it was the week of uh, March, say March 10th or so, which was when everything started to really kind of snowball. And so we ended up rescheduling that concert before concerts started rescheduling. We actually were a little bit ahead of the curve. And the reason why we were ahead of the curve actually is because of my experiences in college athletics, honestly, because what happened was we start, the people started calling in, emailing in, hey, are you guys going to have the concert? What's the deal with this coronavirus, right? This was before anything shut down. Well, as soon as I saw that. NCAA basketball tournaments were all of a sudden be the concert. The um, conference championships were, were being played in front of no fans. And then there was rumors that they were going to cancel it. I got on the horn and negotiated with Paradigm, which is the talent agency for Jamie Johnson. And they didn't want to do it. Like they were just like, hey, you know, if you guys don't have the concert, you know, we could uh, – you, you still may have to pay for it, all this kind of stuff. They're saying no one else is canceling the concerts. And I'm like, dude, I guarantee by the end of the week, everything's going to be shut down. Because if the NCAA is going to shut down, everything is going to shut down. And so I, it, it was tough to renegotiate. I mean, they, they they, basically were cussing me out, everything, you know. And uh, so we renegotiated it. Anyway, I ended up heading back. I was supposed to go back to New York and because I had an audition like the next day, right? And uh, I decided not to go back, thankfully. And I just headed to my place in Myrtle Beach. And, dude, I've just been here the whole time, which is not a bad place to be, to be honest. <laughs> not, not a bad place <laughs> to be. There's yeah. a lot worse places you can be than, you know, yeah. 10 minutes from the ocean, bro. Notice the tan. <laughs> and I noticed yeah. that you don't have one. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Wichita,
0: we got a lot of sun in Wichita. So I, I'm, uh, yeah, I need, I need to be outside more. I've been working inside too much.
1: Man, I'm telling but, uh, you, you got to get out, bro. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're like your own light source now.
0: <laughs> well, being bald, that's natural, anyways. That's uh, yeah, we, Rainbow, be. we know what that's like out here. So yeah, bro. I got um, it. So uh, we were talking before we got started. Uh, before we started recording, the Jordan documentary was on yeah. and just ended. I, I actually watched it. You said you would watch most of it, um, and we yeah. were talking about the unique us being the age that we are. Don't want to give that away. Uh, Is right. unique. <laughs> in that uh we grew up seeing guys like jordan and magic and bird and those guys and also we are seeing lebron and we saw kobe and you know other sports figures you know through those years and um the maybe perspective that that we have i don't know maybe maybe guys who are in their 70s say the same thing about oscar robertson and bill russell but it seems like there was in the the time that they're doing this documentary and talking about Jordan, I don't know, maybe the height of development athletically or something like that. I, I don't know how, exactly how to say it. Um, but what do you? What have you taken away from watching the Jordan documentary as maybe a little throwback to your youth? Well, dude, I, I think
1: that it was, I think one of the things that's happened over time at the professional level, this is all sports, so not just basketball. It's changed in the fact that athletes, are more afraid now than they were back then. I I think that back then, in order to be great, you've gotta take great risks. This is anything, this is business, this is, you know, athletics, finance, you know, whatever it is. The bigger the risk, the potential bigger for the reward, but obviously the bigger the risk, the harder you can fall. And back then, the term that I like to use is that I, I feel like people they they played with reckless abandon back then. It was they weren't afraid of getting hurt. They weren't afraid of failure. Um, now, because um, the way the contracts are structured and there's so much money involved and free agency, all of these different things that 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 are more prevalent now, you know what I mean, than than that were back then. I think that I think that guys. Um, will pump the brakes a little bit more than they did back then. You know, when was the last time you saw anybody play defense in the NBA, to be honest with you? <laughs> back then, well, right? Yeah. Look right. At how tough it's it's
0: hard to now. They've made the rules such that it's hard to, you know.
1: Yeah, and, and the rules are done to protect the players, of course. When you I see mean, the scores of those like games
0: that back in the day, they were 78, 77. Right. And, you know, yeah, they were like college games. Yeah, and it was brutal. Watch, yeah. I think that's taken away how brutal – that was, and Jordan was still averaging 30 points a game Oh man.
1: through you it. Know. You know, as and a and been Averaging like 17 rebounds a game. I mean, come on, man. You know, and so I, I think that when you look back, obviously there's great athletes now, you know, and just developmentally, people get bigger, they get stronger, they get faster, just humans in general, you know, over the last 30 years or whatever, right? But what was lost on... What has become lost, I think, in professional athletics as opposed to back then was that reckless abandon that they played that they played with and, and this will to win it, even a regular season game. Like now it's like, well, let's just wait to the playoffs. I mean, for, for, for the most part, everybody's going to make the playoffs if you're any good, right? And even you look at the NFL, look, look at the last week of the NFL season. You might as well not even play it. Right, because everybody, for the most part, knows who's playing who, and everybody pumps the brakes. Back then, everybody would play every game. They wanted to win every game, you know. They, it, and and now I don't think that you see that people are more worried about getting hurt. And uh, so guys like like we were talking about before we started recording, guys like Bill beer right? That dude, that was that guy wasn't really that athletic. You know what I mean? But what he was was he was he was a complete ass you know i mean he was just i want to i want to say he hated everybody you know i i I think he hated himself (laughs) he was kind (laughs)
0: of like when i was watching he's kind of like the bad guy wrestlers in professional wrestling that they knew their role and they owned it and now there's no bad guy wrestler there's no bad guys in professional sports everybody is perfect and they've all got their own documentary crew following them around right you know, 24 exactly. hours a day Instagram so, crew
1: yeah come on man
0: they might not be able yeah, to you, you know is, is can you not go back to that time anymore like is it impossible yeah. is, was that the end of you That's know you got, they, they, they got a touch of it where Jordan retired in early on because of the media because of everybody that hounding. you know that was a part of that whole thing I guess you know now we've gotten to the point where kids are growing up with it. they're crafting yeah. their brand as a you know young person let
1: alone yeah, you before they even at, become famous. That's right. Yeah. If people try to become, I mean, dude, I'm an actor. So like I, I, I live in that world. I see people that they're more interested in becoming famous for being famous. Not, not for any real anything else other than just to be famous. And uh, you see like these athletes now you, you look at the generation now. I mean, obviously you're a college coach still. So um, these kids coming out now, they've never lived a life without social media social media has existed their entire life now and this is the first generation for that to happen and where they all feel as though they're entitled to a voice and that they're that for some reason they feel as though their opinion on everything matters so they tape themselves doing everything you know and and now because everybody's talking about their own Brand, you know, whether it's athletics or, or or my in my world with acting and everything else, everybody's kind of trying to develop that brand. And what's lost is the craft. So whether it's the craft of acting or whether it's the craft of athletics, that's falling by the wayside, because now if you get enough followers on Instagram, then then you get paid you get you get enough followers on YouTube, not enough subscribers of people to listen to whatever it is that you've got to say. And a lot of people don't have anything to say, really. Um, and uh, and you get paid, you know, so th- that's what they're really trying to do. And, of course, in athletics, particularly contact sports, um, the risk is that you're going to get hurt. And I, th- I think that that they're more worried about that.
0: Well, and, and now they're, you know, they're trying to figure out in the NCA this um, name, image, and likeness stuff. Yeah. Which I don't know how much you paid attention to, but um, attention. Yeah. it's, I don't, I just don't know how they're going to do it because we're in the middle of it. And, and so obviously most people are thinking of the Joe Burrows of the world in, like, yeah. in terms of the media, but right. it's coming down through every kid in the track team at Wichita State through every kid at Toledo or wherever in every sport. And now like you were talking about trying to, you know, craft an image and, and now kids are like, Oh, okay. Now I can use this to make some money, which not against anybody making money for sure. But, but I wonder about like in five years from now, is every kid on our team going to have their own YouTube channel or something (laughs) that they're constantly coming throughout their entire day, trying to figure out how to get more, Subscribers And like you said, not focusing on what's actually important, which is whether it's academics or track Athletics, practice or, or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just, I, I think I don't know where it's going to go. It's going to be hard for them to figure out how to do it and also still make it something positive.
1: Yeah, I think it's it, the problem with it is that and I, of course, I, I I'm like you. I mean, if you can if you can make a make a dollar, I I encourage it. I mean, I encourage anybody, you know, know what you're worth and try to give what you're worth, you know. But at the same time, what it does in college athletics, it opens the door for impropriety. You, you're opening that door because now, as an example, using a guy like uh, Joe Burrows or some somebody big, right? So you've got this five-star quarterback recruit coming out of high school and the institution itself can only offer a full scholarship plus cost of living or whatever it is that we, we can give now, right? But all of a sudden, you've got this business in Baton Rouge that wants to make him the face of their restaurant chain, and they're willing to pay him one million dollars to be the face of that for the next four years. How are you going to how are you going to govern that? How are you going to how are you going to say, yeah, you can go out and make the money and and then at the same time manage it and patrol it? You, you, you can't because then, then the company can say, well, we've paid other people a million dollars. We've paid other people. It doesn't even have to be a million dollars, be one hundred thousand yeah. dollars. You know, I once I, it, shockingly, I once got paid for a TV commercial in New Jersey. And New York area was a tri-state area I got paid $10,000 for 30 minutes of my time And the entire commercial that I was a part of That 30 minutes, they only wanted to film my eyes Because I have a unique eye color, right? So I almost felt like I was stealing from them, right? So I get $10,000 for 30 minutes of my time There's crazy money out there in the world of acting, there's crazy money out there in the world of commercials and print ads and all this kind of stuff, right? Stuff, it, it they, they'll pay you, they'll pay you ridiculous money for anything, right? So it's not unprecedented for like this company in Baton Rouge to then say, well, hey, we'll, we'll give you $10,000 for this. We'll give you $20,000 for that. And you have no way as the NCAA of saying, no, you can't take that money because all that person has to do is prove that they've given that kind of money to somebody else. So I think it's honestly that whole aspect of of I don't I do agree that people should be able to make money. I think that there should be a limit to it. You've got to find some way to govern it, because at the end of the day, and this is the way I've always felt, this is amateur athletics, bro. It's supposed to be amateur athletics. You know, this going into the game. okay? And the other thing that's lost in all of this, people that aren't from athletics. And I run into a lot of these people in my world now that don't get it, lost in all of this is the fact that somebody is giving that kid a quarter of a million dollars in tuition and room and board over the next five years. I mean, that's $50,000 a year at some schools to show up for 20 hours a week and to potentially never play a game, right? So give me a job where I'm going to give 50 grand. All I got to do is show up to class, right? Do the bare minimum, bro. I don't even have I don't even have to do that well. I just gotta pass. I just gotta do the bare minimum. And I'm gonna get that money. And then I can just show up to practice every day. And in the sport of football, when you have eighty five guys on scholarship, we both know there are a lot of guys in football, in college football, they never play a down, bro. They never play a down. So all of that money being thrown out there. A lot of people who aren't involved in athletics, they make it seem as though these athletes are being taken advantage of. Maybe at the highest level, the Joe Burrows and whatnot, when they're selling the T-shirts and everything else with the number on it. I get that. You know, I, I get that. But just the the average person and to say that, that 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 they're being taken advantage of, they also have the choice to not do it. You know, that, that's what everybody forgets. Right? You got the choice to not go to college if you, if you don't want to. You know what I mean? If you don't like the terms... Right? Why enter, why enter the contract if you don't know the terms? Or if you don't like the terms, you know?
0: Totally fascinating to me uh, in one respect and then mind boggling in the other. We, we'll have a department meeting and our compliance guy who's awesome will come out and say, hey, here's what they're trying to do. And immediately coaches are shooting holes in it left and right. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's, it's like with, before the words come out with what they're trying to accomplish, the coaches are already talking about what's going to happen. In negatively, and, and our compliance guy is a great guy, and he just has he just has no defense, you know, because there's so many people that have been experienced for so long, they are just going to see exactly what's going to happen. Not only at like a a major sport, but it'll happen in track and field, it'll happen in volleyball, it'll happen in any place that uh, is competitive, any place that wants to win. I mean, you, you as track coaches, we've heard about things that have happened. In other schools that You know <laughs> that are yeah. not appropriate uh, In terms of financially or something like that So
1: yeah I just right. don't know well, you look, look at college basketball Is a perfect example I mean college basketball is probably In my opinion one of the most Corrupt businesses That you can imagine So much obviously we, we see this now With the FBI uh, tapes And the FBI investigations And people going to jail Not just jail people going to prison Right, it's it's incredibly corrupt, and now what what you're doing in in this world is you're inviting that now. If you're if you're gonna say, well, now people can you can sign a contract with Adidas as as an individual as a person. So what was the what was the whole point of the FBI investigation at that point? Because really, that's all the, 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 that they're talking about. So now instead of hiding the corruption. You're just inviting it to be ha- to happen in, in the wide open now, you know, and, uh, and, and and they don't even have to be shy about it. We're just literally going to give this kid one hundred thousand dollars to show up at such uh, at such and such campus. And we're going to pay for his mom and dad to move and we're going to give them a call. You know what I mean? I mean where does it end? I can't end. You know, there, there has to be an end game to it. Well, and, and
0: I wonder about, you know, the future of college athletics. You know, we, we our staff, we, as, as track and field, you know, you, you're seeing it from a different perspective than most of the world sees college athletics. Most of the world sees college athletics as college football, college basketball. But there's mm-hmm. so many, you know, most of the athletes out there are not in those sports. But uh, we, yeah. we wonder, like, where is this heading? Not only that name, image, likeness stuff, on top of it now we have, the coronavirus, which has really exposed the financial frailties of college athletics on all kinds of levels, and you know where there's there's places that are um, you know trying to maybe cut sports. You know, friends of ours over at the University of Akron just had the cross country team cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess it's kind of a weird story coming out of Akron. It's a, a sham, bit. bro. <laughs> but,
1: I, I, I I I've been saying it all week. It's a sham. So they
0: cut they cut a cross country team that from what we found out, their budget was sixty five hundred bucks, which is a pretty normal budget. I, I mean I know what ours is for a men's cross country, that's not uncommon. That's a pretty common people think that's sixty five hundred bucks, how do you survive on that? Well, because you have this whole other program of track and field and cross country where exactly.
1: you have all yeah. the stuff. But the Where these people are the getting paid system, anyway. Yes.
0: Right. Yeah. And so you're literally Saving six thousand five hundred bucks, but when you do the math of all the tuition you're going to lose from kids transferring or not coming to that school, uh, eventually, you know, people don't understand that the track and field and cross country actually, in a lot of cases, brings money to a university. My buddy uh, Kevin Lucas, another Kevin, who mm-hmm. coaches at Mount Union, you know Kevin. Yeah, um, Kevin. He's, I think, We've compensated. <laughs> yeah. He's he's a uh, he's compensated well at a division three level, because I think they understand how important it is to have a good track coach at a small school because of how much money they bring in. He's got 160 kids on his team
1: yeah,
0: and it's 20% of the tuition or 20% of the enrollment at a school. And so uh, track and field in cross country makes money at a lot of places. And at the division one level, they don't see it that way because the money goes to the university. It doesn't go to the athletic department in terms of ticket sales, but right. it's always a s- struggle uh, but I think, you know, it's something that as track coaches, we have to keep educating people about the not the, not only the financial value, but all the value of track and field the diversity, the all the different positives that you, it's like a it's like America put into one sport. <laughs> you know, there's so yeah, many exactly. different things. And so, well, track and what,
1: field uh, is is the, the greatest cross section of. American life, really, of any of the sports, because you have all demographics are covered, all races, uh, all socioeconomic backgrounds, obviously both uh, sexes, you know, and um, yeah, I think that the 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 problem right now is that, and I said this when the virus first started shutting everything down, is that athletic departments are going to use this as an excuse to drop the extra sports, and that you look back only a few weeks ago the group of five presidents wrote an appeal to the NCAA to lower the minimum requirements to stay division 1 in terms of number of scholarships total dollar figure and number of sports that they have to sponsor right well the NCAA shot it down but what they did do the NCAA they created a portal where these schools can now file for a waiver So they didn't want to blanket say you can go under 16 sports because they knew that for sure they would all five of these conferences would immediately go to under 16 sports without a doubt. And and as a businessman now, I don't blame them. Okay, strictly looking at it from a business standpoint. Right. But now they open the door again. Now, by by creating this portal uh, that the schools can just apply for the waiver and they can drop down. Bowling Green just dropped baseball, which is a big deal. You know, Any sport is a big deal. I'm not saying that dropping cross-country isn't. But baseball, of course, we can agree is more of a mainstream sport, right? What that did was it dropped the total number of sports that are sponsored at Bowling Green to five on the men's side. Well, they were already operating at what was the minimum of six on the men's side. So obviously they, they had to have gotten this waiver already because they didn't lower – their total number of sports under 16, but they lowered the number of men's sports under six, which was the requirement, right? So the thing with Akron, you know, this whole time that this has happened, since it happened this past week on Monday, right? I've been on Let's Run and I mentioned this a few times. The cutting across country had zero to do with money, bro. Zero to do with money. Right. All it has to do with is the perception that their athletic director is trying to give the people across campus. So and and, and I get it. I, I wouldn't want to be in this cat's shoes. Right. I wouldn't want to be an athletic director right now. you got to make some tough decisions. But at the same time, you can make tough decisions and you can make good decisions, but they don't have to be mutually exclusive of each other. You know, <laughs> and uh, so when you look at the cross country one, it makes zero sense to cut it. It makes zero, it makes less than zero sense. A a donor right now, hell, I could give him 6,500 bucks right now to run the whole season. Yeah, I I literally could give him that money right now, you know? So it has nothing to do with the money. It has to do with the fact that there are people in the world of academia that do not like athletics. They don't agree with it, they don't see the value of it. Obviously, we see the value of it, you know what I mean? Uh, The value of it. Not just financially, because it does bring money in, as we were just talking about, but the all of the things that, that athletics brings to a student body and to the student-athletes themselves, obviously. But uh, not everybody agrees with that. So at the University of Akron, you've got seven colleges within the university system that had to merge, and that meant a lot of people losing jobs, deans and et cetera, right? Uh, tenured people, et cetera. And the first thing that these people ask the president is, is athletics going to make any cuts? Like, we understand that that cuts need to be made. We want to see athletics make a cut. So what does this cat got to do, right? He's got to cut something. Well, he can't just say, well... We're going to cut back on this and that because people don't understand that. They basically will feel as though he's lying. So he can say, well, we're going to cut $4 million out of the budget, out of operating salaries, whatever. End of the day, they're not going to believe it. What he's got to do is give these people something tangible, something that they can look at and say, "Okay, they really are going to make cuts. So he cuts these sports. But you look at the sports he cut, bro. It, it, it's it, it it's a weak sauce move you got women's tennis right look at their roster i i don't think they had a single american girl on there so ergo not going to have a line out the door of parents that are complaining about it right men's golf i mean come on man when was the last time when was the last time you saw a, a line out the door for to, to go watch a, a golf tournament, right? So you got five, six guys. And golf Golf also, to be honest, that doesn't make a lot of financial sense either because being in athletics, being in Division One athletics for over 20-something years, I know that men's golf programs primarily fund themselves because their donors happen to be the richest guys, you know, right. outside of football and basketball players, right? They at Men's Kent, golf...
0: Yeah, at Kent State, uh, golf totally is endowed and yeah, it's they, a
1: doubt. Yeah, the whole thing yeah, they can run, the run itself. Yeah, yep, and
0: exactly.
1: and really, if the athletic director wanted to, he could have just made that mandate, and golf could run itself, and and continue to have scholarships and etc. Right, yeah. and then he cuts men's cross country. Right, who's going to complain there? Because he's thinking in his head, well, these kids still have indoor and outdoor track. You know, he, he's thinking that they're that that they're that they're not. That they're not for some reason that they're not going to care as much Or that the general sports Fans out there They're not going to care right So he cuts those three sports When if you look at their athletic department Right They just added baseball Now I get that baseball is walk on And that it was endowed and whatnot, But it, they hadn't played a game yet you know, I mean you could have cut that If you wanted to just make a show You know if you just want to show people across campus And then women's lacrosse Women's cross, I don't even know if that's a Mac sport. I, I I think that they're an affiliate member of another conference. I could be wrong about that. I haven't even looked.
0: But well, you know, the, the elephant in the room, obviously in the Mac and conferences like it, is football. And yeah, I'm now at a place that doesn't have football. Right. And so I can you know, and, and not that Wichita State is immune from the issues that other colleges are having, I think. Uh, academically, they're the same, but athletically, you know, we're way better situation uh, financially because we don't lose or we generally haven't lost money in football, but we're not so tied into to football as a whole with our conference or anything like that. And so the Mac, if they wanted to solve, if they really and truly were trying to figure out their financial problems, they would say, okay, let's change what we're doing in football because yeah we're not going to be able to compete for a national championship when you, when you can't even compete for a national championship, that's problematic. You know, Kent state mile mater, if they win all their games every year for the rest of eternity, they'll never win a national championship. That's the strangest right. thing yeah. I've ever heard of. And wh- yeah. is there another sport? Yeah, you'll
1: never get in
0: yeah. anywhere in the world where if you win all of your games <laughs> that you can't win the championship.
1: That's like the yeah. weirdest you're thing. Not, you're not invited to the party, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they're you're trying
0: not. to be invited. They're trying to like knock on the door and get in the party, but they're never going to get in the party.
1: Yeah. So the yeah you look at the, yeah, You look at Western Michigan uh, back in I think it was 2016 uh, or somewhere around there when they they uh, uh, went they went undefeated. And uh, or, or UCF is an even better example. You know, it's just you're you're never going to be invited to the party, and unless they expand the field to eight, maybe you can get in. But in all likelihood, have to the, the the playoffs have to go to sixteen teams uh in order for a MAC team to ever have a chance to get in. Right? There's a you know the thing about football. The one thing that I do understand about keeping it. Okay, so I. I do understand that that it is the elephant in the room. And I do understand that on the surface, just like we're talking about, you're never really going to get a chance. But strictly from a business standpoint, there are reasons to keep football around. Okay, so you have a lot of donors that that donate a lot of their money and it's contingent upon football in terms of luxury suites and billboard signage and and these kinds of things. I do see the value of being on television on Tuesday and Wednesday. Some people would argue there's no value, but there really is value to that because if you think about how much it would cost to run a three-hour advertisement on ESPN, you know, it would it, it, it's an, an incredible amount of money that you'll never be able to recoup, right? So, you do have that. The other thing that football does bring in, even at a Mac school, is something that I think is kind of lost in this whole thing, and that's revenue. And, and what I mean by that, everybody always talks about how football doesn't generate enough revenue to uh, to to make money. They're not talking about profit. If you notice, never in all of this does anybody ever talk about profit, okay? Net profit. Because at a lot of these schools from a business standpoint they don't care about the net profit what they do care about is the revenue so when you have a, a, a football game and 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 so i live in i live in this world as uh, a concert promoter you know these concerts that i promote if it's a larger conference, a larger a larger concert it's going to bring in a tremendous amount of revenue for my business that revenue that I need in order to operate, you know, from month to month, okay, cash flow. So you have one football game. And even if you only have 15,000 people there, okay, you have 15,000 people that a, a portion of them paid a lot of money for the ticket, okay? And then on top of that, every person that comes into that stadium is going to spend on the average about $19, 19 to $22 per person. That's whether they bought a ticket or not on concessions, on merchandise and everything else. And what, is that, what, what does that look like? It looks like cash. And, dude, everybody, I don't care what business you are, you need that cash to operate. You need that revenue to operate. So I do understand the need to try to keep football if possible. Even if it's not making money, actual net profit, it is bringing in revenue that you then parlay – Right. Into uh, other things. So I do get I do get keeping it. But at the same time, I do think that if the group of five, listen, the power five conferences, they could lead the NCAA right now, bro. They don't right. need the NCAA. They could lead the NCAA. They could create their own television network. Most of these already have their own television Networks the power five schools right um, They could Leave start their own thing Take all that TV revenue with them And just do whatever they want But you would still have the NCAA people would st- you know Obviously we're sitting here talking About NCAA division one there are two Other divisions for the NCAA also Neither of which bring in A penny for the most part so The NCAA will still Exist you can see still have ncaa division one two and three like do now it's just that they would have their own championships and and the power five schools could have their own championships and that's how they would exist you know espn would still cover ncaa sports outside of the power five schools right espn would cover it cbs would cover it they they would because there's always going to be a need listen man i watched the um cornhole championships for god's sakes on <laughs> espn you know Cornhole, well, bro.
0: yeah for sure uh i mean i, I nascar iRacing racing had a million people you know watch it oh a couple weeks ago. crazy but right? um, mm-hmm. but uh, the only thing i'll push back on what you said is so being at a place now that doesn't have football we pay our basketball coach he's one of the top 10 paid basketball coaches in america oh, yeah. and yeah and at Kent State, it should be, honestly. In a, and at Kent State, we had tremendous basketball when I was there. They went to the Elite Eight, and they were never able to keep their basketball coach because you know there's just not enough money. And they paid the basketball coach two hundred grand or something, and he got a million somewhere else. And yeah. at Wichita State, they literally have been able to match what other schools. You know, I think Alabama has offered our guy four million, and he turned Man. it down because he's yep. making three and a half million here or something like that. And So places like Gonzaga or Wichita State or maybe like Xavier. Dayton. That have figured out, yeah, Dayton. They've, you know, to me, those are uh, the models that I wonder, I wonder if behind closed doors there's athletic directors or presidents at the Mac schools that go, man, I wonder if we should do that because it might end up not going that well and end up being Cleveland State or, you know, Mm -hmm. something that, that is not, on the blip in the national radar right. at all, you know what I mean? Yeah, because so.
1: you got it. Um, even in that world, even in the world of schools that don't have football and put all their eggs in the basketball basket, you, you still have the haves and the have-nots in that world. Okay. You're always going to have the haves and have-nots, but it just doesn't look the same as uh, as the football schools do. Yeah, I, I don't think any MAC athletic director even thinks about that. I think that they they have – they're pot committed, man. You, you, you're a gambler, right? You play Texas Hold'em. They're pot committed. You're already too far in it. You already have hundreds of millions of dollars invested in weight rooms and in locker rooms and in stadiums and in press boxes and luxury suites. All of this, all of this. If you were to suddenly just say, you know what, didn't work out, well, that's your last job, A of all. And, you know, it just, it, it's no one, they, these guys don't think that way. I do agree with you that basketball is the better model. Basketball programs, even at the have-nots, even at the Youngstown States, right? The, basketball makes money. Basketball does not lose money at any NCAA Division I school. they They all make money. Because you're only talking about eleven kids, you know, three coaches, a graduate assistant, you, you know. I mean, it's one basketball, one one good solid basketball game or an away game where they they got a guarantee. It's going to pay for the majority of that, you know. So that it basketball makes money, and really, you know, the football at these schools, some of the max schools, some of the of the group of five schools, they don't make enough money to run the whole athletic department but they don't they don't actually lose money you know so Hmm. like at toledo toledo is a kind of a toledo northern illinois these are kind of unique situations where football wasn't really losing any money they they for whatever reason had been able to sustain a certain amount of success and a certain amount within the context of max success you know and You know, still average, you know, twenty thousand fans. A, it really, actually, averaged twenty thousand fans a game. Not
0: well. I'm jaded. Uh, I'm jaded. I'm jaded. State twenty
1: thousand fans. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm. I'm jaded because I was on a you know track team in college where we had you know eight All Americans and we were getting kicked out of our own facility when it was oh, raining yeah. by a team I'm that was on you, eleven. Yep. You know, man, so. I'm telling you. Uh, but hey, to to kind of wrap up as we're been going down, kind of talking about Mac and. Uh, stuff like that because we were both in Mac for a long time so what are things you miss about coaching college track and cross country what are things when you obviously you're in a different career and you're being successful and you're doing great but are there things that that you you go man I I certainly miss that part of coaching or just being part of athletics
1: yeah I I I do um I mean obviously I I love the life that I have I mean I had I had no choice but to, <laughs> you know, find something that that I could be successful at and to love because everything went belly up, man. I mean, as, as soon as everything went belly up, I mean, literally, it was like, well, what are you going to do now? Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's that's the only job I'd ever had. It's the only career I'd ever had. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I do. Um, I I really enjoy my life. I enjoy my lifestyle. But there are things about coaching that I definitely miss. Like I, I miss the, the competition, not just the actual meets themselves or the championship meets themselves, but the competition of just making people better, the competition of recruiting, you know, going up against other schools and trying to convince somebody that it's it's to their benefit to come to Toledo and be coached by me as opposed to go to Ohio State or or Michigan or, or elsewhere, right? So I I miss that. I miss just making people better. Right. so the whole the thing that I feel as though I was able to experience a lot of success at in coaching was that I always prided myself on being able to convince people that they were capable of doing something that they didn't think they were capable of doing, you know? And, and to me, I love that aspect of coaching that, that, you know, we used to have a saying at Toledo that, and and I was primarily a women's coach, right? You wanted to become one of those girls. And, and what I meant by those girls is that those girls that that we're able to achieve at a high level and and you wanted to you wanted to experience that as it when you came into the University of Toledo you wanted to be a, a Brianna Shook you know not not just in in becoming you know an all-American or a or a uh, American record holder or something like that but just somebody who operates at the highest percentage of their talent level so that's the whole goal here we don't know how talented you are Nobody knows how talented you are until the until the end game. So you want to be operating within that 99 percentile of your talent level and getting somebody to that level and seeing them grow as a person, seeing them grow as, as an athlete. I, I, that's what I miss. I miss that look in someone's eye after they did something that they never, ever thought that they were capable of doing. And... Because, and this is where academians don't get it, right? So that person, that girl, that woman, is then from that point on in her life, she has now changed her perception of what is what what she's capable of. Not just as a runner, as a person, right? So she's going to go on to her adult world. And what what we're trying to teach them is to not fear failure, And if you can get to because, listen, a lot of people fear failure, right? Some people are just born with this cuckoo switch like I've got where you just you you don't fear failure to the point where you're willing to go belly up, you know. But a lot of people, they have this fear, but they can overcome it. And what better way to overcome that kind of fear than in athletics and particularly in a sport like track and field where it's an individual sport, Right. So I miss that aspect of it, you know, and I, and I miss, you know, being around other coaches and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of those amiable mugs, man. You know, I, I, I just like, you know, holding court and making people laugh and, right. you know, having some drinks with other coaches. You know, uh, yeah, obviously yeah, it landed me in deadspin, but, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? In the last uh, year, I've had conversations with uh, some coaches uh, at some different schools around the country about possibly coaching again. But if I were to coach again, I really have no interest in being a a paid coach. And because, first of all, obviously, my acting career uh, comes first. You know, I mean, I I, I travel all over the country for that. And I, I can't I can't just start turning down gigs because, you know, I've got to be somewhere. And obviously, as a, as a cross-country track coach, you always have to be somewhere, you know. So um, there's that. And then the other thing is, you know, I, I mean, I own two businesses. I'm a partner in a third one. And for me to devote all of my time to a full-time coaching job, somebody would have to pay me Pat Henry money and above, and there ain't nobody going to pay me Pat Henry money and above, you know, so I can't do it. But, you know, I've, I, I've talked to a couple of coaches and, you know, their athletic directors have been open to, you know, me volunteering because really all, if I were to do it again, all I want to do, I just want to be there as a resource. You know, obviously I, I was able to take a program like Toledo that was always at the bottom of the Mid-American Conference and make it a, a, a program that was qualifying as a team to the NCAAs multiple times, you know. So I just want to be there to help somebody, you know, achieve that goal if, if that's what their goal is, you know. But to do it in a way where, where I'm not, where I'm just more of a, a mentor, you know, obviously, I come with a lot of luggage, brother. <laughs> so it, it's, uh, it, it would take a, uh, an athletic director that understands that, that life is a two-act play and that obviously I feel terrible about the way that I acted when, and, and the poor decisions that I made. But even within the context of those poor decisions, it doesn't negate all of the great things that I did either. You know, and I think that most people see that, you know, some some people would say I should never coach again, you know, and and that's fine. That's that's their opinion. It, it, it doesn't it doesn't affect me one way or the other. You know,
0: you were talking about the self-esteem somebody might get by yeah. getting a PR or something like that. And I think probably what for me got me hooked in coaching was so I was at Kent State and then I left Kent State and people a lot of people don't know between kent state and wichita state i coached high school track for three years and i was coaching kids that i mean i was coaching girls that ran 17 seconds and 100 you know what i mean it was oh, man the, you know there was people like that um and then uh, you know but seeing those kids at those ages improve so much and like you're talking about see themselves differently just because their name comes up on a piece of paper with a time next to it and a, you know and in track and field you, you have to own that good or bad it you know if you're yeah. if you want to get better you work harder it's it's that's one too. of those things and and then college track more you know if there's a scoreboard they put your name up there and your time you know you can't hide yeah. behind it and you got to own that and that's a healthy thing as a person to have to face whether that's good or bad and yeah. it's not it's going to be bad sometimes and how do you react to that well you react to it the only way you react to it in a good way is to work harder and to figure out what you did wrong and in a lot of team sports you're able to hide behind that score whether it's a yeah. soccer game or a basketball game you know they're not putting your name and your result 100 percent of mm-hmm. the time up there and people know yeah. exactly so i think in track like you were talking we, we started early and maybe that's a good way to wrap it up is how track is in, in my mind the best sport but there's a lot of reasons why it's so so good for somebody to be part of and yeah um not only because of all the demographic part of it, but because of yeah. it's legitimately you and getting better yourself, and, and then it does wrap into a team concept, which is also awesome mm-hmm. too. That we're able to do both yeah. of those things. So. Yeah,
1: it's a it, it's the only sport. You know, people always get fixated on just the people that win or the people that finish dead last. I mean, these are the two people that are on display the most: the person de- that won and the person dead last. But Within every race, there's a lot of little races going on. That, that, that is something that is lost. It's something that I, I always embraced and my teams embraced that you have to find the race within the race and be competitive in that and, be, and because that's what life is all about too. It's it, when you go out into the real world, there's a lot of little races happening every single day. And you got to recognize where that race is for you in whatever aspect of your life it is and do everything you can to be successful in that moment. And no sport teaches that better than track and field. Track and field by far is the one that it, it really it really puts the 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 microscope on on the individual to be successful in whatever world they're in at that moment
0: absolutely well hey man thanks for being part of the uh coffee talk over here i know shout out yeah back to, brother back to, you, you were the original track and field podcast guy basically before there was actually a podcast so uh i, I think yeah, i was I, on it we were on it i once.
1: was country before country was cool brother <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right well hey uh continued success in your current career when i need some concert tickets uh to jamie johnson or something like that let you know i like him so all right man, man well thanks for coming on and um good luck and we'll be in touch later brother